Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Today we're going to be in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It's a very powerful moment in Jesus' ministry. It's one of his last moments on earth. Jesus has just uh, celebrated the Passover in the upper room with his disciples. He has uh, broken bread with them and he has uh, demonstrated what we practice now as the Last Supper, his, his, uh, his body broken for them, his blood poured out for them. He has talked about the, the death on the cross. He's bent over and he's washed their feet and now they are finished and they're going out to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray for a little while. Uh, The disciples have no idea what's coming. Jesus already does. And so he's using this as a last opportunity to teach the biggest things. He's he's really using these moments to tie everything the last three years all together for them. So these are really important moments uh, for the disciples. uh, And they're being taught deep truths. And I'm afraid that they don't truly, truly get it. Maybe we will. In just a few hours, Jesus is going to be hanging on the cross for them. And uh, so this chapter, Jesus is pictured as the true vine. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Wow. Powerful message. As Jesus is walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, there's no doubt there were many opportunities as He walked uh, to use the vine as an illustration. Homes, especially you know, these marbled homes that would have been around, had all around the door facings, vines interwoven together. It's also in, in April, which is the time of the, uh, uh, the beginning, bursting forth of the fruit on the vines. And so as they were walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're passing all of these grape vines in the Middle East, perhaps he just takes his fingers and ruffles through the leaves, or, or maybe he takes, his, takes a branch and, and, and breaks it off and begins to use it as an illustration, or, or maybe he turns around, and in those days there were, there were you know, some of these grapevines were, were five stories high, and there were some that were right there. Perhaps Jesus turns around and he looks at this 
centerpiece of this city street that he's walking down on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane. It doesn't matter why Jesus uses it as an example. Perhaps in Isaiah chapter 5, Jesus is hearkening back to those moments when Israel was used as a symbol of a vine, how God had, had planted it firmly into the soil of the earth so that it could produce fruit for His glory. And it was Israel that was supposed to weave itself throughout cultures and generations and nations with the good news of the gospel, and it had failed miserably. And so God was about to turn His attention to the Gentiles because Israel had failed and was withering and dying. And so Jesus is establishing these disciples who would be used to restore and to lift up the people of God so that they could bear fruit. And when they didn't bear fruit, they would use one that had been grafted in, the Gentiles, who would then be the hope of the nations. For whatever reason, Jesus uses this as an illustration. It's a good one. And it's probably better served on us than it was on them. Because I believe we have a greater context for which to live it out. Jesus begins by saying, I am the true vine. The true vine. Jesus doesn't say, I am a vine. Or, I am the true vine. Not just the vine. The true one. As opposed to all others. Not just false ones. But as opposed to all other vines. And this is interesting because in this symbolism, and there's a lot of symbolism in a symbolic teaching, so let's try, to, let's try to stay as close tied to that as we can. We talk about the vine, we're talking about life, we're talking about branches, we're talking about product of life, our own individual life, and fruit are the things we're producing in life. So there are lots of vines that are running through your life, vines that, that cause you to live in comfort and ease, Vines that will cause you to live in power and influence. Vines that will allow you to live only for yourself. There are lots of vines. But Jesus said that He is the true vine. The only vine that will produce truth for the world. The only true purpose and point in living is being tapped into the true vine. Every other vine. Listen, you can produce fruit from every other vine. Well, maybe not every other vine, but lots of vines. There's some of you right now that is trying to tap into a vine so that it can produce comfort in your life. Some of you are looking for power and influence and money and material things. You're looking for a reputation. You're looking for all sorts of stuff. And there are vines in this world that you can tap into and have what you're wanting to produce. But here's what you need to recognize this morning. That every fruit that comes out of those false vines are diseased and they are rotting and they will not last. Oh, you can produce fruit, but you can't have fruit that lasts unless you come from the real, true vine. Truth is so important and I don't know that there's ever been a time in the history of the world where truth has been more undermined than this one. And Jesus over and over talks about truth. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 4, But in truth I tell you, but in truth, but in truth, and truly I say, over and over in Jesus' ministry, almost every time Jesus starts teaching, He uses the word true. Why? Because there's so many lies and deceits in everything else. It's like someone who has learned when they say to you, I'm going to be honest with you about something. Well, no, really, I'd like for you just to lie to me. Would you just do that? 
I've never understood that. And I catch myself saying that. Hey, I'm just going to be honest. Hey, truly, I'm telling you, truly. I'm, I'm being honest about this. I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, thank you for that. Why do we say that? Because it's such a novelty. But do we, are we supposed to imply that if you don't say that at first, you're lying? No, but we have become so conditioned to the deceptions of all other truths. So when Jesus starts teaching truth, I'm telling you the truth, it's the truth. There's coming a time when people will worship in spirit and in truth. Over and over, Jesus uses this truth. In fact, he says, for their sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. Jesus even would go so far as to say, but but I tell you the truth, but you don't believe me. John 14, 6. Behold, I am the way, the way and the truth and the life. So we know Jesus is the truth. I mean, it's a firm foundation. Jesus is the truth, not a truth, not truth, the truth. The truth. Only truth. He says in John chapter 14, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, knows him not, but you know him, he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. He, he goes on in that same context and he says, but when I go, I will send a helper. He is the spirit of, that will guide you into truth. The spirit of truth. John chapter 17, just right after this, in his high priestly prayer in the garden, when he gets there, he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is, anybody want to guess? Jesus says, I am the truth. And when I go, I'm going to send the Spirit. His name is the Spirit of. And this should be in you, my word, and my word is Do you see how important a truth is? It's everything that we are to tap into, the life of Christ, the life in the Spirit, and the life that comes from the Word of God are all founded in truth. 69 times in the New Testament, and just in the first four books, Jesus said, truthfully, truthfully, I say unto you. Over and over we have Jesus saying, I'm telling you the truth. Because there's so many imposters. I'm telling you, there are people in this room right now, you think that you are tied into the vine of Jesus Christ, but it's an imposter. You didn't do it intentionally. You said, whoa, I'm all of a sudden, I'm scared. I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. What I'm trying to do is to give you a wake-up call because if you think you're tied into Christ and you're not, wouldn't you want to know it? How do I know? I prayed a prayer. I did what somebody told me to do, and that's wonderful. But what if they didn't go all the way with you? How do I know? It's simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. How do we know if we're tied into the true vine? Jesus said, what kind of fruit are you bearing? It's simple. It's really, really easy. What kind of fruit are you bearing? What's the product of your life? Not what do you intend But when you look behind in the garden of your life, what are you seeing that has fallen to the ground? Is it fruit or is it rot? Is it for God's glory 
Is it for your own? That's how you know. You can sit here all day and say, yes, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. I didn't ask you if you believe in Jesus. I'm asking you, what is the product of your life? What does it look like? Jesus is very, very clear here. In fact, he's so clear, we've made it, made it complicated. In verse 2, Jesus uses this phrase, in me. In me. So first and foremost, if you are not in Jesus, in the vine, you cannot bear his fruit. So he's speaking of those who are, in his words, saved. You cannot be considered, and I, don't, I do not, I can't for the life of me understand why God organizes it and orchestrates it this way. The vine is perfectly capable of producing fruit. Why the vine doesn't produce fruit, I don't understand it. The vine produces what? Branches. The branch is the fruit of the vine. The branch. Not the fruit. The branch. Why the vine would say, I'm going to produce as fruit you. And you are going to produce the fruit that remains. Isn't that crazy? The vine's capable of producing the fruit. But when Jesus was here, he wasn't, he wasn't, his goal wasn't producing fruit out here in his lifetime. It was creating as many branches as was possible and equipping them to bear fruit. And by the way, as we are modeling Christ's likeness, that's exactly what he wants us to do. Except we're not producing branches. We're recruiting branches and grafting them in. Because everybody you know is tied into a vine. Some people are tied into multiple vines. And our responsibility is to be the kind of branch that would recruit people that would be willing to cut themselves off from their native branch and be grafted into the true vine. Jesus has called us to do His work that He's perfectly capable of doing, but He is sharing His responsibility with us so that we can share in His inheritance. I don't understand that. But I know this. His fruit is me, and my fruit belongs to Him. It's really easy. I just look and say, what is Christ producing through me? And some of us who call ourselves by the name of the true vine are actually not even in Him. We're trying to produce Christ-likeness, but we're cut off from Him. In John chapter 15, verse 6, the same chapter a little bit later, He says that He prays that their fruit would remain. You know, and, and there's, there may be some fruit from your life for a moment. You can look and you can say, well, you know, last week I had an opportunity to get really, really angry, but I, I didn't. I didn't get really, really angry about a certain issue. I'm proud of myself. I had an opportunity. I was, boy, I was re getting ready to say something and I, and I didn't. I didn't say it. Well, that's great. That's great fruit. The bad thing is, is you failed every day since, right? The fruit didn't remain, Right? You do, these, you do work, you do work, you do work, and all, you're really, all we're doing is producing something that looks like fruit, but it's the fruit of eternity when it remains. 
Now, there's plenty of people that are in religion. Plenty of people who are in church. People who are in moral community. But that doesn't mean that they're in Christ. In grafted in the vine. That's what salvation is all about. You realize that if you're not careful, you will think salvation was for you. Uh, I, it was for me. I know when I, got, when I got saved, I was little. I was young. I knew what I was doing. But more importantly, I knew what I wasn't doing. I was not going to hell. I can tell you that I was scared to death of hell. I, was, I would go to sleep at night terrified of hell. I know if you ever want to know where Satan lives, it was under my bed. Uh, I'm telling you, I was scared to death. I could hear him all the time. And anytime the furnace or the heater kicked on, I just knew his hands were coming up around my bed. I'm t- I was terrified, terrified of Satan. Sometimes I still am. <laughs> and so I would begin to pray. God would teach me. I mean, I was young, but you know, my dad helped me out with that and, and my mom and, and uh, gave my life to the Lord. And, and I, felt, I felt better. Uh, and I know that I was saved. Uh, but it was the fear of God, of judgment, that is the beginning of wisdom, right? So let me just demonstrate for you what happened to me. I was connected to some sort of vine. I don't know what kind it was. Uh, uh, Maybe later in my life, if I hadn't have chosen Christ, maybe in my life it would have been more clearly identified. You don't have to know what vine you're in to know that you're not in Christ, right? So don't worry about identifying what your vine is. But I had to cut myself off from whatever that was and make a conscious choice to believe that God would allow me to be grafted into his life. Now I was I was young. I didn't I'm not thinking all this. I just I understand how it works now. So I cut myself off from that way of living and way of thinking and way of behaving, even though I really didn't have a clue. And I allow Christ to take control of my life. And as his now watch, as his nutrients from the true vine begins to flow into my graft. As, as it is flowing into me, it begins to give me new life, new nutrients. And I begin to have new way of thinking, new way of behaving, new compassions, new, new cares, new ways of extending grace and mercy. In fact, the ways that I, the ways that I think and the way that I behave begins to change. And it, when it doesn't change... I have this, I have this nagging uh, guilt and conviction that takes over my life. And so as I learn that, I begin to learn not what I'm afraid of, but I begin to learn how good God is to me. I begin to learn not just that I can have joy, but my joy can be to the full. I begin to learn that I don't just live, I have an abundant life. Everything that every other vine offers me is to the full in Christ. And I begin to learn His character and His nature. And so His character and nature starts flowing through me. And so of course the fruit looks different. But I'm not a Christian today. I don't love God today because I'm afraid of the devil. The fear of the Lord was the beginning of wisdom. I'm a Christian today because I am producing the life of Christ through me. But many of us are satisfied with allowing the life of God to flow into us. So if you're not careful, you will think that the fruit of Christ is you. No, the fruit of Christ is on the other side of you. The life of Christ has to flow not into you, through you. Otherwise, you will get lazy. And if the fruit grows right on the vine, it's no good. 
You're not the fruit. You're the branch. If you see yourself as the fruit, I promise you, you'll quit. And you'll start seeing your responsibilities vanish. And you'll only start thinking in terms of, be a blessing to me, Lord. Be a blessing to me. I want to experience fruit. Give me your fruit. Give me your fruit. And that is vanity, vanity, vanity. And it does not, it does not get the favor of God. You're not the fruit. You're the branch. The fruit is on the other side of your abiding in Christ. Through, not to you. Scripture is very clear here that we have one goal. And that is to produce fruit for the vine dresser. I don't care what vine you are tapped into. Listen, I don't even care if it produces rot. One day you're going to get to heaven and, and, and you're going to be judged based on, okay, what did you bring to the table? Now, I'm, believe me, I'm watering this down incredibly. What did you bring to the table? What is your fruit? What are you bringing? And you're going to bring the product of the vine that you were tapped into. And you're going to present that as a sacrifice to the Lord. And the only thing that will satisfy the wrath of God is the life of Jesus Christ. You'd better make sure that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Every other thing you're hoping to produce is rotten. Rotten. Diseased. So Jesus had one goal. He told us what it was all through His life. His goal was to bring glory to the Father. In fact, He said, I didn't say anything that, but such as God the Father told me to say. He said, I didn't do anything, but the Father told me to do. Man, and that's the life. That's the, the nutrient. The vine dresser is responsible. But it's the vine that lives for the glory of the vine dresser. And the vine is producing branches. And the branches producing the fruit. But the fruit belongs to who? The vine dresser. The Father. So we have the life of Christ. Christ is not asking us to do anything that He didn't do. He came to earth. He produced. To the glory of the vine dresser. Back to the Father. And now He's watching His branches produce for the Father's glory. In verse 2, he mentions no fruit. Watch this progression. No fruit, fruit, more fruit. By the time you get to verse 8, it's much fruit. So we see this progression. There are a lot of people, for whatever reason, I mean, you're grafted into the vine and we think we can get into retirement season where we're not required to produce fruit anymore. Listen, there is no retirement in the vineyard. By the time we get old, we should be producing much fruit. Right? Hello? What is fruit? You keep talking about fruit. What is it? We could identify fruit for ourselves? I mean, no, we don't. But here, here is three types of fruit. You write this down. This is... Apples, no, I'm just kidding. 
The first type of fruit is sanctification. Okay, that's the first kind of fruit. Sanctification is the lifelong process of of becoming like Jesus, becoming more like Him. This is like the, the, the first fruits of our life is where we're beginning to learn the life of Christ. We've learned how to process His heart, His eyes, His ears, how to think like Him, see like Him. The second type of fruit is spiritual fruit, spirituality, okay? It's a little bit different than sanctification. Spirituality is where we're learning to behave like Him. It's one thing to learn to think like Jesus, to process the mind of Christ. It's another thing for that to equate into our actions. The results are our actions, the things we do, the places we go, the intent and motivations of our life. Those are significant things, and those are spiritual actions And then the longer we are producing fruit, we begin to produce souls. Souls Soul fruit is is where we begin to be burdened like He is burdened. So three types of fruit. You can begin to produce those almost immediately, but in your life you will begin to see fruit emitting from itself one of those ways, or maybe all of those ways. Sanctification, becoming like Christ, behaving like Christ, And being burdened like Christ. So you may say to me, yes, I'm a Christian. Are you? Look at your fruit. Look at your fruit. Are you becoming like Jesus? Are you behaving like Jesus? I'm not talking... Listen, the vineyard isn't a gas station. You don't get to be at the end of your fuel and say, you know what, I'm depressed, I'm burdened, I'm, I'm, I'm despairing, I, I, I'm, I'm broke, I'm grieving, I have sorrow, my relationships are a wreck, I'd better get back over here and tap into the vine because I'm getting pretty weak. Boom, tap in. Whew, boy, oh, that's so great, I can get back to my regular living now. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. You were blessed to be a blessing. Jesus said, abide in the vine. Believe it or not, in Greek, that is future tense, which means if you think you're abiding right now, you better be abiding in a moment. Remaining, staying there. We are constantly plugged into the vine. You can't tap in and tap out whenever you want to by how you feel if you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley. I'm in Christ. I don't get to determine the quality and the Quality and the quantity of that fruit, the Holy Spirit determines that. I don't have to worry about the fruit at all. Listen, if you're focused on the fruit, you're missing it. Don't focus on the results. Who do the results belong to? You ain't carrying the basket. The vine dresser carries the basket. You have one responsibility. Anybody want to say it in one word? Abide. Stay. Remain. Simple. It's simple. But boy, it's costly. Many people say, well, I'm a Christian and that fruit bearing stuff, I mean, that's just for the holy rollers. That's for the spiritual elite super saints. The ones who have arrived. The ones who think they're so much better. The ones who have time to be at church all the time. The ones who have time to get up and read their Bible in the morning. The ones who have time or who have the influence or have the, those mature ones who have spent more time. Well, you can excuse it any way you want to excuse it. But once you are in Christ and you remain there, you'll begin to produce Christ pretty rapidly. After all, it is His goal for you. Fruit bearing is an absolute passive activity.
I think of spiritual gifts. The Bible says that God gifts through His Spirit every Christian spiritual gifts for the upbuilding or the enrichment of one another, of the church. And if that's true, which I should say since that's true, the Spirit looks at each one and says, here's what I want them to be able to accomplish in the body. You don't get, you don't get to determine what your spiritual gift is going to be. It's given to you. Your responsibility is not necessarily even to recognize it. I know we have spiritual gift tests. I think that they're important. They begin the conversation. But the truth of the matter is, listen to me closely. You don't have to know what your spiritual gift is. You don't have to have it written in the front of your Bible. And, oh, yeah, I forgot I'm supposed to be merciful. <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm really good at that. I forgot. You don't have to have that written down. All you're responsible for is abiding in the vine. If you'll abide in the vine, the product is your gift for the building of the body. I think the fruit of the Spirit is the same way. You don't have to focus on the fruits of the Spirit. There is no such thing as fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit that comes from being tapped into the life of the vine. If you will spend time with the Word of Truth in the Spirit of Truth, surrounded in the presence of the Son of Truth, you won't have any problem producing fruit. In fact, there may be things in your life that you wouldn't call fruit that one day when you get to heaven, you'll see that God was calling it fruit all along and you didn't even know that you were a part of it. There's maybe a lot of things right now that you're calling fruit that He doesn't. He's responsible for the fruit. Don't try to figure your fruit out. Your only focus. In fact, I would say a lot of times we like to turn. The vine's here. We like to turn and see what our job is. I would encourage you, if you know where the vine is, if you know where Jesus is, you need to just be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Don't worry about any of this. You just stay attached to Jesus. Wherever he goes, you go. Whatever he says, you do. That's what it looks like to abide in a vine. I'll go another step further with the fruit of the Spirit. Talking about the fruit of the Spirit. In, in John chapter 14, Jesus has just finished with talking about peace. Peace I leave you. Peace I give you. He starts really, really honing in what peace really looks like. His peace apart from all the other false pieces. Right? And now, we just read some of it. Jesus starts talking about love. It's love remains. Love this. Love one another. Love my... You know you love me if you keep my commandments. Love, love, love. You get to the end. I have joy... In you, my joy be in you, and that your joy may be full. How's that? Peace, love, and joy. Those are the first three of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. Of course the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of the life of Christ. Don't worry about producing the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit will be produced in you as you abide. Pretty simple, really. So look at, look at verse 2. I'm almost done. What I, the reason that preachers say that is so you'll give me just one more chance to listen. All right. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Ooh, that does sound scary. But before you start questioning your salvation, let me give you a little bit of information. Takes away in the Greek is the word arrow, not arrow, shooting an arrow, arrow, A-I-R-O, okay? Arrow. 
It means not to take away, to eliminate. It means to, to take up, to rise, to lift. It's like a, some of you who garden, you know, sometimes when, you're, when your leaves get weary or maybe too much water or too much wind or too much pressure and they get into the dirt and they just can't get out of the dirt and so they just get lazy and they lay there. You know what I'm talking about? And then dirt kind of covers them over and you go out here and look at them and you're like, well, that sad little leaf. You know, most people, what they'll do is just go ahead and pop it off. But what the vine dresser would do, because his goal is not for it to be pretty, his goal is fruit. His goal is fruit, right? Well, if I pull it off, I promise you, if it's cut off, it ain't producing. Why would he want to cut it off? I ain't cutting it off. I'm going to lift it up. Might even in a vineyard, I might even tie it to the arbor so that it doesn't do that again. That's part of its punishment. You're going to get tied to the arbor. You're going to produce because I love you too much. I got too much invested in you. So you take that leaf and you wipe it off and you rise it back up into the sun. I'm not going to go too far there, but you put it back up in the sun so we can start soaking in the nutrients. Maybe wrap it around another leaf that's a little bit healthier. Lay it there. You come out there. Sometimes, depending on what it is, it might be an hour or two and that thing is right there again, right? I don't know why, but it's as powerful. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, every branch in me that has its head stuck in the sand, every branch that calls himself by me that's not producing, that has gotten fatigued, tired, lazy, comfortable, whatever, here's what he's going to do. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to expose you to right things again. And you're going to produce. There's a story in Scripture about a man named Jonah. <laughs> you are going to produce. It's the same word that Jesus used when he said, take my yoke upon you. It's the same word. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, take up my cr your cross and follow me. He who does not take up his cross is not worthy of me or worthy to be called a disciple. Take up, rise up. God will always disturb our laziness. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, it says, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons or children, his children? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, chastises the son whom he receives. It seems to me that the writer of Hebrews says that there's three different types of God lifting us up and exposing us to right things. The first is the word reproof. He reproves us. We don't be weary when we're reproved. You know, sometimes people don't like to be corrected. But listen, if you're not corrected, it's proof you're not loved. So what he's telling us here is if you're not producing, don't be upset when the God loves you enough to come and brush the dirt out of your eyes. Reproof means conviction. It means to feel something, to feel negatively, to feel empty. So every now and then, you ever wonder why you kind of do something and you're like, boy, I shouldn't have done that, and you feel guilty? That's the reproof of the Lord. Listen, and that's terrible and awesome because it's proof that the Lord loves us, that He would give us guilt, that He would allow us to experience guilt, rather, that He would allow expose us to our own self. Oh, that's terrific. That's God's reproof, and He reproves whom He loves. There's a, the next one is the word di discipline. 
The word discipline means to be trained. It means for me to have to use my muscles. I would much rather respond to conviction than training. Now, some of you muscle people, that might not be true for you, but I would much rather be obedient with conviction than, than, than obedient with having to flex up on everybody. I don't, I don't want to have to work out to learn my lesson. I don't want to have to extend muscle energy to learn my lesson. The third word is the word chastises. It's a whole other step. It's training with affliction. All right? Now, I'll tell you this. This is a whole other level. I would much rather work out my muscles to learn my lesson than to do so with a whip on my back. Right? So the Lord says, listen, if you're not producing fruit, I'm going to convict you. And if you don't listen, I'm going to train you. And if you don't listen, I'm going to train you with affliction. And if you won't listen, you were never mine. Listen, if you're not experiencing the conviction of the Lord, you're not experiencing training in your life and exercising yourself unto godliness, and you're not occasionally experiencing the affliction of the Lord, you don't belong to Him. He promises. He chastises those He loves I've got a lot of kids in my life, a lot of kids in my life. I only correct three of them because they belong to me. If they don't listen to my words, they'll listen to my training. If they don't listen to my training, then they'll experience training with affliction. Right? Because I love them. Not because I'm angry. Because I care about what they're becoming. That's the love of God. And every branch that does bear fruit, these are the ones who get it. He's going to prune them, cut them back, slowly, continually take things out of their life. You think about suckers or these false branches, these little things that come out on vines. And you know, a good vine dresser is going to get rid of anything that takes the life away from the vine that produces the fruit. Anything that, that takes life away, he, fathers won't take it away. This is why God says, or Jesus says in verse 3, you are already clean. He has spent the last three years picking everything off the disciples that's sucking the life out of them so that they can produce Christ-likeness. So life in the vine is really rather simple. Here's what the life of Christ looks like. And when we're truly tied into Him, we are exhibiting Christ-likeness. His behavior, his attitudes, and his burdens. So this morning, I just want to challenge you to make sure that when we evaluate Christ-likeness, that we recognize that our words are not what we're evaluated by. It's our fruit. And the fruit is the easiest part. It's the easiest part. But it comes at a cost of keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, his word, his spirit, his presence. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you this morning and we are so grateful for these words because they are not natural to us and we would be lost without your truth. If we, if we were left to make up our own truth, it wouldn't be like this. 
I pray, Lord, this morning that you would burden us. Help us to see clearly. Help us to recognize, Lord, that even when we fail, you are the lifter of our heads. You're not some angry vine dresser running through the vineyard with a machete. Help us to understand your care, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. And, and it's in those moments when we understand yours that we're able to allow yours to flow through us. And so, Lord, I pray whatever it is that's blockading, whatever the distractions are that is keeping the, 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 the block of Christ-likeness in our life, I pray, Lord, that the flood would open, the floodgates would open, and we'd be able to see more and more Christ-likeness flowing out of our life. So, Lord, I pray that you do a work in our church. I pray that you would convict us first with your mercy. Give us a chance to respond to that conviction so that the world, Lord, may know your character and your nature by watching we, the branches. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.